0: Welcome, y'all, to The Nougat Bell Show, a podcast all about stories of the South straight from the sources. I'm your host, Kate Robertson, the Southern food and lifestyle blogger behind A, a com, based in the scenic city of Chattanooga, Tennessee. The Nougat Bell Show is a place where people from all walks of life can share their stories of life in the South as they have lived, seen, and experienced it. So pour yourself a glass of sweet tea or a cup of coffee and enjoy this episode of the Nougat Bell Show. Hey, all! Welcome to episode nine of the Nougat Bell Podcast. I am super excited to be here with local blogger and social media specialist Jody Lawrence. Hi. <laughs> so tell us about your blog. Um, so my blog is called The Fashionable Foodie. Um, I started my blog mid-summer of 2014, and I've been blogging ever since. I'm sort of transitioning now, so I haven't been blogging as much lately, but I like to keep up with, you know, a fun Instagram flow, and I still enjoy taking food photos and all those things, and the blog will be active again very soon. (laughs) Everyone reaches a transition point at some point. Exactly. Um, So, where are you from? So, I'm from South Pittsburgh, Tennessee, which is about 30 miles west of Chattanooga towards Nashville. Um, It's a really small town. Population is about, I don't know, (laughs) 3,000-ish, and um, that's where I grew up, but I don't always say I'm from Chattanooga. I'm really proud to be from South Pittsburgh, but if I'm somewhere, you know, where people aren't from the area, I often say that I'm from Chattanooga because I also basically grew up here because... South Pittsburgh is so small, and, you know, if I wanted to come to a movie, we came to Chattanooga. All of my proms were in Chattanooga. Um, If you really want to go out to eat, most people come to Chattanooga. So, I feel very connected to Chattanooga, even though, you know, I didn't go to school here or anything. And if you don't know, South Pittsburgh is super famous for? (laughs) Um, South Pittsburgh is the home of the National Cornbread Festival, It's also home to Lodge Cast Iron, which is where I work, so I do commute there every day, (laughs) and I live downtown in Chattanooga. But yeah, the Cornbread Festival draws in, I don't know, between 20,000 and I think tops out ever 35,000 people into the small town. I have never missed a Cornbread Festival. (laughs) We just, at the end of April, um, finished the 22nd Annual Cornbread Festival, and it is so much fun. I volunteer every year, and now that I work at Lodge, I've been at Lodge for about two years. I really volunteer. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> like, even more than before, which I had no idea that was possible, but <laughs> it is. <laughs> I went to the festival in 2017. Awesome. Uh, I loved it. It was so much fun. I was oh, so, good. so sad to miss it this year because i yeah. just gotten back from a long vacation and just was still catching up. I, I love to hear when people love the festival and it's so fun and fun. One of the only cornbread festivals in the United States. And of course it's in the South. (laughs) Yeah, of course it is. (laughs) I think my favorite thing about the festival is the Cornbread Alley. Yes, me too. It's It's my number one thing that I tell people to do Mm -hmm. is go down Cornbread Alley. Because it's the best deal. It's the best deal. You get the most different kinds of cornbread. And all of those um, cornbread recipes are prepared by local organizations. So that money um, really goes to charities. It's like five bucks and you get so much cornbread. It's a, one of the must-dos at the festival, mm-hmm. in my opinion. <laughs> uh, my friend that I went with last year, she brought like a plate in a Ziploc bag to take some home for her husband. Yes, and I they know, fixed her. <laughs> and they fixed her a to-go plate. Yes. Oh, they will. They'll fix you a to-go plate. Just the most friendly people. Everyone mm-hmm. from Southport is so friendly. That and then cornbread salad is another mm-hmm. thing that people love. And I have seen people like get their cornbread salad for lunch. <laughs> And get three more containers of cornbread salad to take home and eat for the next couple days. Oh my goodness. <laughs> it has a cult following. Yeah, sounds like it. <laughs> what was your favorite cornbread this year? Um, There was this one that was, um, I think it was called Coconut Dream. But it had coconut and pineapple and it was some shaved coconut on top. And it was just the right amount of sweet. It was so good. It was probably my favorite. It was my mom's favorite too. Ooh. I wasn't that jazzed about it until she was like, you have to try this one. Good. She was right, it was really good. See, I'm not a huge coconut person. Oh, I'm not either. I'm not either. Oh. Yes. I mean, know, okay. that's why I wasn't that jazzed. I, <laughs> coconut's one of those things that I have a lot of trouble getting excited about. really don't enjoy the texture of shag coconut, Mm-mm. but it, seriously, it was a winner. Interesting. Yeah. I'll have to remember that. Yeah, so good. All right, that is awesome. See, you know, <laughs> at the South is just full of little festivals like that, and it's just, it's just so great. Um, so let's talk a little bit more about your blog. Okay. Uh, kind of backtracking a little bit. (laughs) That's okay. But what is your inspiration with your blog? So when I started blogging initially, I, um, I had a very different job at the time. I wasn't working for Lodge and I didn't feel like I had a great creative outlet in that position. I was doing social media and some PR and some advertising functions and I don't know, I just didn't get to be super creative. It was very by the book type of situation. And so I just really needed an outlet and I started thinking really hard about starting a blog, but I was afraid, you know, a little bit embarrassed, or I feel like when you're when you're gonna start a project like that that's very public, there's a part of you that's like, well what makes me feel like I should have a blog? So I really felt that way for a while and then I went on this vacation with some of my girlfriends and I was scrolling through Instagram looking at all these bloggers And one of my friends said, I actually think I was reading an article, too, about the science of blogging. And one of my friends was like, well, if anyone that I know can start a blog, it's you. You should just do it. And I just feel like that, like, vote of confidence from someone who I really trusted, like, propelled me. So I came home that Monday after the long weekend and just started my blog. And I was like, well, I'm just going to write about the things that I really like that I wish that I was talking about at work. So I just started talking about my outfits and what I was cooking and food and food culture and you know sometimes things here in Chattanooga local stuff and the blog sort of started to grow and then I started also very specifically making content for Instagram so really it's just things that I like things that I feel like I can give my personal endorsement to if you care you know yeah (laughs) and that's what I love about blogging now is like throughout my blogging journey I thought that I had to fit this specific niche and like that and you really don't need one. Just, like, write what you want to write about, share what you want to share, and as long as you enjoy it, you're doing what you want to be doing, then your niche or category or whatever doesn't matter. Yeah, exactly, and I, I struggled with that as well, like, thinking, oh, I have to blog about this set of categories, and I can't talk about anything else. Well, I also love to travel, and so, you know, a little bit later in my blogging career, I got to a place where I could travel more, and I was like, well, how can I write about this? I have to make it fit, so... When I say I'm transitioning, that's sort of one of the things that I mean is I'm still finding my voice, and I think that's fine. I've been blogging for, what is that, four years or something, and I still am finding my voice all the time, and I think it's fine to always be growing and changing. So Yeah. Yeah. A blog should never be static. Exactly. If it just gets static, that's one of the reasons why I I sort of stepped back for a little while. I got a new job where I got to be more creative, of course, but also I just felt like I the things that I was saying weren't adding any value anymore. And I was like, all right, I see this and I don't want it to be that way. So what value can I add? And just right now I'm just sort of taking tons of notes in my all my planners and agendas and being like, this is what I'm gonna do and making a master plan. <laughs> do you have a separate journal for your blog? So I'm an agenda freak. <laughs> I'm one of those people. I'm one of those people that in August every year I'm like, okay what planner am I going to buy for the next year? And I start thinking about it for months. And I'm actually, I'm sort of on a system now where I have a set of uh, journals and agendas in a notebook. So inside of it, there's a notebook. It's just a catch all for like blogging ideas or sometimes work ideas, all kinds of things. And it's a mess. Oh my goodness. (laughs) I just started bullet journaling. Oh, I've tried so hard to bullet journal. If you're doing it, Good on you. <laughs> it's work. It's the one thing that has been working for me. Really, I feel like you're either a bullet journaler or you're not, and yep. I'm super jealous of people who can really get into it. It's a lot of writing. It is, yeah. and I tried so many different agendas and planners, mm-hmm. and none of them. I had one that I bought um, earlier this year, or maybe it was last year. I don't remember, and it worked really well for about three months. Mm-hmm. But it was too structured. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, this structure is not working for me. And I looked at a couple others. But some of the ones are so expensive that I'm oh, just yeah. like, if I'm not going to use this, then I'm not going to pay $60 for it. Oh, yeah. I so totally understand. So I decided to try bullet journaling so you can set it up the way you want. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I like it so far. We'll see how long this lasts. Yeah, like how long the longevity of it is. Yeah. One of those things that you get obsessed with and then... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have to, so the planner that I'm using now is undated, but oh. it's lined, and the bottom half of the planner is all graph paper, so room for notes every week, and then like a vertical. I'm very into it. The only thing I don't like about it is I have to rub in the days. Oh, uh, yeah. So just sit down and, you know, get it over with. <laughs> <laughs> That's another thing about bullet journaling is it is kind of like a therapeutic meditative thing because you have, it forces you to sit down and, like, oh make Lord. your spread for each month. And I'm like, okay, this is my time, like, two hours on a Saturday just to, like, sit down and do it. And it forces me to chill. So also, I do like that. I feel like if you're an agenda person, then yeah. that actually calms you instead of it does. stresses you. Yeah. Because every Monday I spend time with my planner when I first <laughs> sit down, and it is my calming mechanism. Mm-hmm. And I'm good to go. Because you feel like you're organized and you have everything together. And you're oh, like, yeah. yes, I know exactly what I have to do. Here it is. Let's get it done. Yeah. Oh, that's very much my process. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm so glad we have that in <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's play a game. Cool. I have my jar here. And if you've okay. been listening to my podcast, you know what the jar is. But it's all these fun little questions that we can answer and talk about. So we'll each uh, do like two or three. Okay. And we can each answer whatever we draw. Okay. We'll both answer the questions. Yes. Cool. Okay. okay. So I'll go first. Okay. I've answered this on the last one but I'm going to say it again because it's <laughs> worth answering again. Hands down the best kind of barbecue is North Carolina style. Oh gosh okay. I So I have to be honest. I, I mean I like barbecue just fine but I'm not. I have to be really really in the mood for barbecue. Mm-hmm. I will say if we're talking about different things about barbecue I love like a barbecue chicken with an Alabama white sauce. Oh okay. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. That? Okay I'm into that. Other than that my only barbecue preference is I want the sauce lightly already mixed in with the meat. Okay. Before it goes on the sandwich. Yeah. Yeah. I'm less passionate about the style. Actually, I don't even know that I'm educated enough about barbecue sauces <laughs> to really speak on it, but I do know that I want the sauce in it first. Okay. So I'm the person like in you know, a buffet that will like put my meat on the plate, put a little sauce in it, and, like mix it up, <laughs> and then get a bun and then put it on the bun. Oh my you gosh! Know what I mean? Yeah. Ratios. I'm all about ratio. My parents <laughs> sent me home with a quart of barbecue from one of our favorite places in North Carolina last time I went to see them. And I'm slowly, like, going through it, but I'm rationing it because it's my favorite kind. you love it. Oh, yeah. But I made myself a sandwich this weekend, and I did the same thing. I had to, like, mix the sauce in and then put it on the bun. It's key. Mm Mm-hmm. It's key. Also, if you're reheating, got to heat the sauce, too. Yes. The cold sauce and the hot meat. Do you put coleslaw on your barbecue sandwiches? Oh, I mean, I will. I don't have to. (laughs) What does North Carolina style even mean? So, technically, there are two styles of okay. North Carolina barbecue. Okay. It's all smoked pulled pork or chicken, but okay. pork is the main thing. Yeah. And hand-pulled, none of this, like, sliced or cut stuff. <laughs> <Okay>. Um, <laughs> And the two main styles, the Eastern style, is more of a tangy, vinegar-based. Okay. So like, like, almost a sauce preference. Yeah. Yes. Okay. And cool, then cool. Lexington style is the more, like, sweeter, smokier, kind of thicker ketchup-based. Oh, okay. I probably like the vinegar. Yeah. Now that I'm thinking about like sauce, sauce preference. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can tell you, I know that there's Texas barbecue, mm-hmm. which is, includes brisket. Yep. And I don't believe in that. <laughs> so, I don't even eat beef, but I don't, that's not barbecue. That's brisket. It's different things. <laughs> see, my, see, my mom likes the brisket stuff. And it's yeah. interesting because both my parents are originally from North Carolina, as, as am I. And my dad is from Eastern North Carolina, so he favors, like, Eastern Vinegar style. And my mom's from outside of Charlotte, so she sure. favors the more, like, Lexington style. And it's, it's a really interesting dichotomy in my family. <laughs> Two kinds of sauce. Yes. <laughs> you can have whatever you want, though. Mm-hmm, pretty much. That, yeah, I'll do a little bit of both. <laughs> Your turn. Okay, cool. Let's see. <laughs> okay. I may wear open-toed shoes after Labor Day, but I'll never... Okay, I'm always hesitant to say I'll never wear something because sometimes I'm not into it and then I'm into it later. But I probably will never... Okay, one thing that I really will never do. I thought of something. (laughs) I love denim on denim. I will rock like a jean with a jean jacket and a t-shirt all day. Bless you. But lower denim has to be darker. Yes, this is like a deep rule ingrained in me. You can't do a darker denim jacket and a lighter jean. I no. will never do that. <laughs> I know it's like a Canadian tuxedo or whatever. I'm into it. But just, <laughs> you got to get the denims right. So I'll never do that. That is very true. Yeah, how about you? <laughs> I just got a denim jacket recently. I hadn't had one in years, and my mom found one for me, and I love it. I wore it when I was in England, and it was like the perfect. Like yes. weight and it also kept me warm and I was like oh this was great Yeah. Um, I would never wear white after Labor Day. Oh I'll do it <laughs> I'll do it. I love winter white I, no shame. Also cream is fine. I actually feel like I wear white better in the winter. Oh really? Yeah I'm, I'm very fair skinned and so oh, okay. I feel like it works better for me. Interesting. Yeah white in the summer just reminds everyone how fair skinned I am. <laughs> white in the winter I'm just like I'm being my best winter self I don't know I would never forget after I started at my job my now creative director he walked into work one day in like the middle of October wearing white jeans Oh yeah, and I had a total Gretchen Wieners moment and I was like dude you're wearing white jeans it's October (laughs) and he just looked at me and was like yeah and and I was like I need to know what he was wearing them with It's all situational for me. It's all situational. Gosh, I don't remember what he was wearing it with, but I was just like, no. (laughs) No. I also will never wear seersucker after Labor Day. Oh, I probably I will never wear Seersucker. (laughs) (laughs) I can't do it. It's just not, I don't know. I can't do it. I like Seersucker shorts and I have a seersucker dress. Yeah. That's about it. A gingham. I love a black and white gingham. Mm -hmm. I will say. So maybe that's why I'm like no seersucker here for the gingham. Yeah, and it is different material, too. It is different material, but I feel like they sort of play in the same space. A little bit. Yeah. (laughs) I'll go. (laughs) Relevant. White slaw or red slaw? Oh, um, white slaw. White, 1,000%. White slaw, yeah. Especially if you have the vinegar-based barbecue, you need it to balance it out. You need the white slaw. I agree. What about mustard slaw? Do you have thoughts on this? It's not my favorite. <laughs> right. I, I'm okay with a mustard salt if it's done well. If it, yeah, if it's done well. If it's well. done well. Can't be overpowering. I will not do mustard-based barbecue sauce, though. Oh, I will. I actually really like mustard. I like It's a mustard. new thing for me. See, I like it. I love Dijon mustard. Oh. Like, oh, don't bring me a hot dog without Dijon mustard. <laughs> and it's really new for me. I have only learned how to use condiments as an adult. Really? As a child, I would not dip my french fries in anything. I didn't want to dip my chicken nuggets in anything. I mean, it it has been a development as an adult. I like mustard. I like ranch. Oh, I love ranch. (laughs) But I don't do ketchup, so I still, I don't think I'll ever, I'll never eat ketchup. That's another thing I'll never do. (laughs) I like using ketchup as an ingredient to make other sauces. Sometimes you need it. But I won't, I'll put it in my chili. Okay, okay. Um, can't do it by itself no it takes a lot oh i mm-mm. i've never liked it mm-hmm. mustard though i like mustard i like honey mustard and ranch oh god i will like put ranch i mean i know that's. i feel like that's almost shameful to say but i'm not ashamed <laughs> never put on pizza oh my gosh moon pies love them or hate them <laughs> this is actually a great question i kind of have a funny story about it oh um so i will eat a moon pie not a double-decker moon pie. Only much. a single stack. Needs to still be fresh because mm-hmm. they have a shelf lock for sure. Um, any flavor's fine too. I'll eat a banana moon pie. I'm, I'm into it. I will say, though, I had a friend here um, from Australia, and I was like, okay, things you have to do while we're in Chattanooga, eat a moon pie. And he's <laughs> like, all right, where do we get a moon pie? And so we walked down to the moon pie general store, buying a moon pie. Takes one bite of it and it's like, well, ugh, ugh, that's awful. <laughs> so I was like, oh no, he hated the one thing. I'm like, these are made in Chattanooga. I should have given him a little Debbie instead, I guess. Yeah. He did not like it. I've learned that moon pies are very divided. Like yes. you either love them or hate, I hate them. It. Yes. My family yes. loves them. Yeah. My, oh, my grandfather, I think in the last like... 10 years of his life, he ate a mini moon pie every single day after lunch. Yeah, my mom used to buy him the big, like, boxes of mini moon pies. He loved moon pies. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, they're super nostalgic mm -hmm. if you're from this area, I feel like. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So, similar story. I lived in Pennsylvania for a while when I was in high school. And we had family friends who were German. Mm-hmm. And whenever we would come back to North Carolina or go down to Atlanta to visit friends or basically anywhere below the Mason-Dixon line, we would bring back Moon Pies because we couldn't get them at the grocery store in Pennsylvania. We had our German friends over for dinner one night. It was like July or August or something. And my dad wanted to do Moon Pie ice cream sundays for dessert. Yes. 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 Well, they were fabulous. We all had <laughs> chocolate moon pies with vanilla ice cream, sprinkles, syrup, all that yes. all that good stuff. Yes. They had no idea what a moon pie was, and it was so funny watching them eat it. Were they into it? Three of them were. Okay. Okay. Oh, well, hey, that's not a bad ratio. No. <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> considering my dad and I are just, like, gobbling them up, and they're just like, these are interesting. <laughs> There's a place in Cleveland where you can get a moon pie milkshake. Ooh. Need one of those in my life. Yeah, really, really good. I can't remember. I think is it called the spot? I can't remember. Anyway, Cleveland. Oh, think... Moonfile milkshake. Hmm. Alright, let's do one more each. Okay. The one movie or book I'll never get tired of is Oh my gosh. Okay. Now Big Fat Greek Wedding, the movie. I can watch it. Have you never seen it? It's I've only ever seen it once when okay. it was in theaters. And not the second the second one was fun I appreciate the effort. The first one, I have probably watched it 30 times. I would watch it again tonight if someone was like, You trying to watch this? I would be like, Damn, thank you. It makes me so happy. I don't know why. Also, think that I just get like big fat group wedding envy. <laughs> it just looks like so much fun, and I just love that movie. I love the story, everything about it. I love that movie. Also, Overboard. Oh, what's that? What? Goldie Hawn. Oh, okay. It's an old movie. It is one of my mom's favorites. I was raised on it. Also can watch it a thousand times. That's the one thing that I miss about cable is I feel like you can always find it overboard on when you have cable. It's not on Netflix. No. So, and I don't have cable. So but yes, those two movies, any any old time, we'll watch. Mine is the sound of music. Oh, that's a great movie, too. 1,000%. I mm-hmm. watch it every weekend. It's my, like, calm down <laughs> after a hard weekend movie. Yeah. And same thing. It was my mom's favorite movie when she was growing up. Yeah. So I think the first time I watched it with her, I was, like, three years old. Yeah. Also and a great movie. Julie, Julie Andrews is my hero. She's oh, just classic. Mm-hmm. So classic. I also, if we're talking about the thing that you just watch all the time, this is so bad. Guilty pleasure, but I watch it every single night when I go to bed. Frasier, the sitcom. I'm a Frasier geek. I can like quote it. It's so embarrassing. When I tell people that, they're either like, oh, I love Frasier too. Or they're like, that is the worst sitcom of (laughs) all time. What is wrong with you? They're so pretentious. I just think they're so hopeless and funny. I watch it every day. (laughs) See, I haven't watched it yet. It (laughs) comes up on my like recommended shows or whatever on Netflix. And I keep thinking, you know what? I've watched Friends. I was about to say, you must also be watching Friends. (laughs) Yeah, because I'm like, I, okay, I've been watching Friends, like, start to finish, like, 15 times. I need something new. Yeah. You'll either love it or you'll hate it. Okay. I'll yeah. give it a shot. I'll give <laughs> it a shot. I personally, obviously love it. Yeah. I've like, probably watched it hundred times. It's so embarrassing. <laughs> um, okay. Oh, my favorite place to hashtag treat myself in Chattanooga is, um, oh my gosh. Okay. To sweets or to, like, dinner? Let's go both. Or two drinks. Okay. And any, anything. Okay. So my favorite place to treat myself to dinner, my favorite place to have dinner always is Il Primo. Okay. Oh my gosh. I haven't made it there yet. Oh my gosh. I love Il Primo, the pork scallopini, whatever seasonal pasta they have. It's also a great place. I don't know if you like to eat family style, but I personally love to eat family style. And so it's the best place to do that. You can get the sides. The pork scaloppini is so big you can share it. Um, oh, it's so good. In my opinion, best pasta also. Okay. In Chattanooga. It's just so fresh and good and, like, really what you want from homemade pasta. Like, a meaty noodle that soaks up the salt. It's just so good. So, <laughs> favorite oh, dinner place. I'll have to try that. Yes. My favorite place to get a drink um, that's, like, I'm not going to say extravagant, but, like, to treat myself to a nice cocktail, I like to go to 210 Jack. Their, um, cocktail there, they, they have, like, three cocktails that are on tap. Mm-hmm. The one that has tequila in it is my ideal cocktail. I love it so much. It's, in my opinion, the best cocktail that you can get in Chattanooga. Granted, it's probably to my taste. (laughs) I'm a tequila drinker, so it's probably to my taste. But love that. And then my favorite place to get something sweet, um, I mean the Hot Chocolatier. Mm -hmm. I love to go to the Hot Chocolatier. And just, I'll get like a box of four chocolates. And go home and eat them all. That's because all you need. There's a lot of And yeah. if I get them four, then I'll go home and eat all of those, and that would be bad. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, those are, those are my three. I went to the hot chocolatier a couple weeks ago, because I went to Stir for happy hour. Mm. And then I was like, you know, I really need something sweet. And then whatever was on Stir's dessert menu just, like, wasn't speaking to me <laughs> for whatever reason. So I was like, well, the hot chocolatier is right over there. <laughs> and I paid for parking for, like, three hours. So I might as well as just bad. use it. Yeah. So whatever... It's not tiramisu, but it's similar to it. Oh, the opera cake or whatever yes. it is. Oh, I think it is called opera cake. Yes. It is good. I had that mm-hmm. and it was phenomenal. Very good. I will also say I probably treat myself to a croissant at Needloves more often than I should, but if I wake up on a Saturday morning and I just am like, I need something good to start my day, it's probably a ham and cheese croissant from Need Loves. Hmm. I love those as well. So I don't good. think I've tried one of their savory ones oh, yet. so good. Needloves is one of the places that I'm ashamed that I forget about. Yeah, yeah. I like to go there for, um, I don't ever buy bread there because I usually buy it at Fluffview. Mm-hmm. But um, their croissants at Needloves are just, I can't think of a better croissant downtown. Good to know. Yeah, I'll have to go back and try that. Especially if you're a croissant lover. I'm like, we'll travel for croissants. <laughs> Tell me where they are. I was um, at the, I don't know, end of last year, I was in Iceland with one of my friends. We got me a different croissant every morning. <laughs> our poor rental car was filled with croissant crumbs. Oh my gosh! I was afraid we were going to be in trouble with the <laughs> rental company. But then we we bribed the man who checked our car for like mess and gravel hits and everything. We gave him a bottle of vodka to nice. Be nice to us, so and it worked. And the car was full of croissant crumbs, and he didn't care. So that's always <laughs> my curse when I travel is especially in Europe, Mm -hmm. they eat so much bread and jam, or bread and cheese, or bread and everything, and I get so used to it, and then I come back, and I'm like, well, this isn't normal. (laughs) (laughs) Not sustainable. No. Good for vacation, though. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Like, when I came back from England, I'm still in, like, my toast, heavy butter, and jam phase that I'm eating for breakfast every morning, and I just made a really good batch of strawberry jam, too. So I'm like, to eat this but i'm also like oh it's so good i want to like also make it last european butter is next level butter it is which is why like, the croissants are so good mm-hmm. and why you want to eat all that bread while you're over there and then slowly you come over here and the butter's not as good no you realize that you can lay off on the croissant yeah it's, not it's unfortunate it. yeah. <laughs> <sighs> well that was fun good yes <laughs> And as I have said, if you have a question or topic that you would like to hear me and my guests talk about, leave it in a review or tweet it at me or send it to me on Instagram or whatever, and I'll add it to my jar. It's my little plug there. (laughs) Good question. Yes! I try to keep them updated like once a month or so, so I'll shuffle them around. And some of the ones in here are ones that are like OG jar questions, but... I try to add like two or three new ones each time to keep it. Sometimes the question is just a really good question. Mm-hmm. So I had one in there that lasted for like five or six episodes, and I was like, okay, this is a great question, but I have to take it out. <laughs> Don't even go it now. <laughs> yeah. Um, so let's let's talk about blogging a little bit more. Okay. If you were to give advice to someone who wanted to start a blog, and maybe they had some of the same apprehensions or like anxieties that you did. What advice or wisdom would you share with them to inspire them to do it? Um, I think you just really have to jump off the cliff, first of all. If you really feel it and you're like, this is something I want to do. I know it will make me happy. Just do it and stop caring what other people will think because I know that's one of the big things that held me back. And, you know, if you start – when I started about a year into it – You know, I had some people who should have been really supportive of me actually sort of make fun of me for my blog, and it only sort of inspired me to just work harder at it, because you just can't care about those people, you can't worry about what other people will think. If you need that outlet, or if you feel like it's going to fill a void for you, just do it. That was very Nike. Sorry. Hey, it works. But just really, though, just do it. And honestly, I feel like, um, you know, just getting into my blog the way that I did, and being like, all right, I want to take really pretty photos of food, so I'm going to figure out how to do this, and I'm just going to teach myself how to do all these things. I'm going to, you know, learn how to edit photos on my phone really, really well because I don't have a lot of equipment or, you know, how lots of bloggers start out. You, just, you have to just do it and decide that you want to do it and not care if people are judgmental about it, and I think that's number one. Number two is if you start with what you think is a really clear, concise, Like plan for your blog or whatever your venture is. You get in there and you're doing it and you realize you need to pivot. Don't be afraid to pivot and know when to pivot I think is another really helpful piece of advice. You know, Like I said, I'm kind of pivoting right now Mm -hmm. and I've just decided to not be afraid to pivot. The other thing is though, I I think you have to um, just in general realize when you don't need something. Yes. Like I'm not going to do that. I don't need that. I'm not going to do that. You know, whatever it is. (laughs) Right. Um, I, I, when I started my job at Lodge, I create a lot of, um, or help create a lot of content at Lodge with a team. And um, I was just making content all the time. And I I was like, you know what? I'm feeling drained. I'm going to step back a little bit. I'm going to keep my Instagram up. I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to regroup. And so just knowing when to do that too. I know a lot of bloggers who take six month hiatuses. And they're like, this is what I need for myself because mm-hmm. we're all busy and a lot of us are doing lots of things at once, have lots of irons in the fire, so. And a lot of us work in similar fields mm-hmm. as well, like I'm a copywriter, I work for in social media too, so yeah. what I have for my side hustle is also what I do as my day job. Yeah, it's, you're in danger of like burnout if you mm-hmm. don't keep yourself super balanced and you have to prioritize, so. So much. yeah. It's that's one of the biggest things is just prioritize. I'm a huge list maker. Mm-hmm. I'm like, if you don't know how to organize yourself, start making a list. Yep. When it comes to content, I'm not a girl with a content calendar. It's never been my thing really. I just am like, do this on this day, do this on this day, look, we're ready to post. Yep. Um that's how I operate too. Exactly. Yeah. So if you're if you don't think that you can get up in a content calendar and really kill it that way, don't do it. Do it your way, you know? Yep. Make a list. I try to have one or two posts a month that are, like, timed for a specific event or holiday or those weird, like, social media holidays or whatever. (laughs) Donut day. Yeah. (laughs) Tomorrow is chocolate chip cookie day. Of course it is. So (laughs) I made chocolate chip cookies this weekend solely so I could take pictures and have them to post. But I'll do, like, one or two of those things a month. Yeah. But that's all I need. Yeah. Because otherwise it's just, like... It's too much, and it builds up, and then I just get overwhelmed, and when I get overwhelmed, it's just not good. Yeah. Well, and I mean, like, Chocolate Chip cookie Day is a great example. We're all so on social media now, and brands are so on social media now, that so much stuff has been created for social media, like, ridiculous food holidays. Yep. So, that's another thing I think I'd say. Don't feel like you have to post something for every ridiculous food holiday. If it's Donut Day and you're not into donuts, don't post about donuts just because <laughs> it's Donut Day. You know, figure out what works for you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, we'll post an occasional food holiday post at Lodge, and I do it when it makes sense, and when it doesn't make sense, I don't do it. You know? Exactly. Yeah. It's all in strategy. Exactly. <laughs> <gasps> all the things. All the things. Um, so I guess this kind of lends into what we were just talking about. But what are some of the best lessons blogging has taught you, either personally, professionally? Um, well, okay. Two lessons, they are very similar to that. But, I mean, you know, just don't be afraid to be yourself. Mm-hmm. It really taught me that. Someone will like you for who you are. And the people who like you for yourself, whether it's yourself that's in real life or the blogging version of mm-hmm. yourself or whatever it is, someone will like that and will connect with that. So just be yourself. Um, and really don't be afraid to be yourself and then I guess I'm, I'm quite a perfectionist I have to like let go of the reins every single day at least a little bit And so I think that's another thing that my blog has really taught me is I'm the person who Used to need to sit down and all right. I'm getting this post up I'm gonna edit photos for an hour. I'm gonna write for an hour I'm gonna link for an hour and then I'm gonna post this blog Well, by then it's basically like three or four hours of mm-hmm. work, and that's not always feasible So it has really taught me to be like, all right, I'm going to sit down. I'm going to do this one task. And even though I'm not going to complete the entire task, I'm one step closer. So that's been very growing for me, and it's helped me in lots of areas of my life because that's how it is at work. I mean, you know, you can't always sit down and finish everything. Nope. Yeah. I used to love – well, and I still love to craft. I don't have a lot of time to craft. But when I was in high school or college, I loved to craft. And I would go in our room and start something extremely – Intricate, and I would not stop until I was done. Like, I would be four in the morning. <laughs> like, what have I done with myself? Like, I didn't eat dinner. <laughs> so, I just got you got to stop that if you're that way. Mm-hmm. That, that's another thing that I've learned. <laughs> I'm a crafty person too. I need one like big craft project in the summer. Oh, yeah. And I painted myself a cooler last year. Oh, and I'm painting another one this year. Yeah. And I'm so excited. I painted many a cooler in college. <laughs> i was like extreme too like used a projector wow yeah i figured <laughs> Again, out though i would sit down and i would spend hours <laughs> painting those coolers i figured out the tissue paper trick oh that is a great trick and Sharpies? it is yes paper? oh yeah game changer yes for sure i yeah. didn't do that for the first one i painted for my boyfriend in college mm-hmm. and or i figured it out like when i was basically done and i was like Man, why couldn't I have figured this out when I started this? <laughs> yes, that's a great trick as well. Really? I feel like anytime that you need to um, outline something or whatever, that's a great trick. You want to paint something on a wall? That'd probably work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah, good trick. <laughs> yes. Um, so when you are not working or blogging or eating pasta at Il Primo... <laughs> oh, but I'm always... <laughs> um, what do I like to do? Yes. Okay. Um, well... I mean, I have an awesome group of friends. I love to hang out with them pretty much every night when I get off work. We go for like a two hour walk. So during the week, you can find me just out walking around. (laughs) Um, And then, I mean, I also love to hike. Um, And I just like to be with people, I like to cook for people, just hang out. I like to shop. I try really hard not to. (laughs) Um, I'm one of those people that still enjoys the thrill of a physical shopping trip. Me too. Even though we have, you know, everything right there at our fingertips. Yep. I'm like, I really need this midi skirt. I could get it online or I could go hunt for it. I'm (laughs) into the thrill of the hunt still. I like to do those things. Yeah. I like to tidy up my apartment. I don't know. (laughs) Just whatever. I like to chill when I'm not doing other things. I saw today that Kate Spade is having a surprise sale. Oh, do you follow them on Instagram? I do not, but sure. someone at work <laughs> someone at work shared it, and I was like, oh, this is going to be dangerous. Yes, their Instagram story, Kate Spade's Instagram stories, um, are the key to all hidden sales. Oh, okay. Yeah. Maybe that's where my coworker found it. Maybe. <laughs> so you said you like to cook. What are some of your favorite things to cook? Oh, yeah, okay. Okay, well, I love cooking. <laughs> everyone's gonna leave with their listenership of this podcast like, this girl loves pasta it won't be a lie but um I love to make pasta for my Ooh. friends I also love to um I love to try out a bon appetit recipe okay that can be really intimidating I pick and choose so, <laughs> so I'll be like okay. one of my favorites is Adam Rappaport has this it's not even really a recipe it's like a method that's called pork and beans pasta. Ooh. It's very fun to make for a crowd because you can make a lot of food with it. I cook it in um, like a six quart lodge <laughs> a Dutch oven, um, but it's that's like a game changer too. If you're going to cook pasta for a crowd, you get yourself a Dutch oven because you can cook your noodles and your boiling water in your pot, whatever, mm-hmm. but then you can saute all kinds of good stuff in the bottom of that Dutch oven, add in your liquid, and then put in your noodles, and you just toss it all around, and it gets so good and coated in the sauce and it's really hard to do that in a you know in a skillet or something that has lower sides mm-hmm. pasta pro tip <laughs> but I love to make pasta when it comes to making food for myself I love to make like a Jody version of a grain bowl okay with just sort of whatever I'm feeling this is when I'm trying not to eat the pasta you know? <laughs> so just like I don't know some sort of grain like a quinoa or rice or something and then I'll put, like, roasted broccoli and soft-boiled eggs, or um, I'll cut up smoked salmon. I'll cook fresh salmon. I love to roast salmon. Oh, that is one of my favorite meals to make, too. If I'm making dinner for two, mm-hmm. and you know I want to impress, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> then I'll, um, I'll roast some broccoli, um, which is, like, always in a cast-iron skillet, 30 minutes in the oven. i salt, pepper, just toss around, throw it in there, and, like, forget that it's in there until the timer goes off. The easiest thing in the world. is so delicious. And then I um, use this method for like sear, 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 bake salmon. It's just got some uh, lemon butter on it, like a little bit of rice with it. It's a really nice, mildly impressive, healthy meal that's not stressful. <laughs> See, I have tried to cook salmon three times, and every oh, time do it. I have failed. No, you can do it. You can, you can do, it. do it. How do you like it cooked? Um. Well, ideally grilled, but oh, okay. that's okay. not exactly apartment. No, ready. I but apartment friendly. I tried baking it and I didn't get the skin right, and mm-hmm. the skin just looked kind of funky, and I just didn't trust mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. And then another time, I think I tried baking it again, mm-hmm. and that I overcooked it. Which is so to me, overcooked salmon is a mortal sin. <laughs> I mean, please, please, if you've overcooked salmon, just go get some more salmon and do it again because. Overcooked salmon is horrible. (laughs) Yeah, I learned. (laughs) I also like my salmon on the rarer side, like Mm -hmm. very medium rare, maybe even more toward rare. So, I mean, really though, I'll tell you how to do it later. Okay. It's like sear, 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 and then put it in the oven at 325 for like three minutes. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Does that work for frozen salmon too? It would need to be thawed. Okay. Yeah. I would always thaw fish before I cook it, personally. Yeah. I have lots of friends out there who will cook a frozen tilapia. Filet. i It's not for me. <laughs> but, I mean, you know, throw it in some water and walk yeah. away and salt. <laughs> okay. I'll yeah. have to try that. Yes. I, yes. I haven't gotten salmon right and I haven't got spaghetti squash right yet either. Oh, yes. My thing with spaghetti squash is I can cook the squash. What do you sauce it with? Yeah, right? Yes. I, it's always my plague. I'm like... Red sauce, oh, it's fine. Cream sauce, well, it's not healthy anymore. Right. So, I mean, yeah, it's such a conundrum. I don't know. <laughs> I've seen it with, like, pesto or something mm-hmm. really light. Yeah, yeah. But, I, I don't know, I, it's way too high maintenance for me. It is a little bit high maintenance. A pesto could be a good idea, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, something with a lot of, a lot of basil. Yeah. Yeah. But once I figured out how to spiral cut zucchini and do zoodles, Ooh. that's I, that's all I need. I do not have a spiralizer, but I think I would love one. I got mine at Bed Bath & Beyond, and it's just like a little handheld one. It's yeah. probably about the size of these glasses. Yeah. And you just like slice the top off the zucchini, yeah. and then you just twist it. Ooh. Like in a pencil sharpener, and okay. it spiral cuts I it. like the sound of that. See, to me, that also, I feel like that's a good opportunity to make like, zucchini curly fries yes. or something like that would be really tasty mm-hmm. roast them for a little while then lightly bread them. yep yeah even with squash mm-hmm. i'd probably eat them raw that way too yep i'll cut up a zucchini into thin strips and eat it raw I haven't gotten to that point yet, but yeah. what I will do every now and then is I'll cut it into little medallions. Oh yeah. And I'll pan fry it, and yes. then I'll put mm-hmm. a little bit of pizza sauce and cheese and broil oh, it. And little zucchini pizza. Yeah, I'll do that's that sometimes. So cute. Yeah, I love that idea. And that's yeah. good. That's like a super easy when you don't really want a full dinner, but mm-hmm. you want something still a little filling. Yeah, I've done that several times. Well, also just. Another plague of moth is trying to figure out how to eat things that are similar to the foods that I'm craving. Yes. Without constantly eating just a ridiculous amount mm-hmm. of carbohydrates. Same. So- <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, the pasta. Love pizza, too. Can't help it. Ugh. Sometimes you just need the real thing, and the substitutes are just like not. Oh yeah, no. I live that life where I'm trying to eat all the pasta and pizza on the weekend, Mm -hmm. and then I'm like, "How can I do better when I come home from work?" It's so hard, though. Yes, (laughs) I'm in that same boat too. So hard. I've been trying to do mashed cauliflower instead of mashed potatoes. Yeah. And the only time I've ever been able to eat cauliflower, my best friend's mom used to make mashed cauliflower like, years and years ago. I assume she still makes it, but I remember going over to their house for dinner one night when I was in, like, elementary school, and I just saw this, like, white stuff in a bowl, and I assumed it was mashed potatoes, didn't ask any questions, and I'm still notoriously picky, but I was even (laughs) worse as a child, and I just took a big spoonful, and I go, wow, Miss Jamie, these mashed potatoes are so good, and she goes, thanks and then after dinner she was like wow that's cauliflower and I was like whoa I never would have guessed that's awesome people are also eating cauliflower rice now yeah I have not tried it yet I haven't either had a friend that cooked some the other night and I'm dying to try it Mm -hmm. um because I mean if it's tasty then why not yeah yeah I was recently at a conference and I eat all of their meat I don't eat beef Mm -hmm. and I sat down at the you know meat eater table at lunch <laughs> and um I was like it's gonna be fun it's gonna be chicken or something I mean you know what you're yep. expecting when you're getting a meal like that yep What did they bring out that a big old steak for every <laughs> single person and I was like oh no because I'd already eaten my salad and everything and then I felt horrible because I had to tell the waitress I and mean, there's like 500 people Yep. like would you mind bringing me one of the vegetarian meals I actually this is the only meat that I don't eat And what did they bring out to me but a big head of cauliflower. That's it? On a bed of quinoa. (laughs) It had like three pieces of broccolini beside it. I was like, broccoli and cauliflower are cousins. Yeah. You can't serve them together. (laughs) I was just like, I just sort of looked at it for a minute and everyone at the table was kind of just looking at me. Like, well, now I have the biggest head of roasted cauliflower (laughs) in the world. I ate what I could have been. I was like, oh. I'm tired of this cauliflower. That that's overwhelming. Oh, yeah, I ate three rolls. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> gotta make up for it somehow. I just could not believe it when she sat it down. I was like, this is just a huge head kind of cauliflower. Because usually they'll give you like a sweet potato something. or yeah, yeah, a grain, something. Oh, oh my gosh, just that's a too kind funny. Of I don't know. <laughs> I want to try cauliflower rice because one of my food guilty pleasures is fried rice. Ooh yes, I love fried rice. Seems like a good alternative. And I really want to try it. I have read, I've never had it, so I can't say personally, but I have read that the frozen cauliflower rice from Trader Joe's is a real win. Ooh. Yeah. We don't have a Trader Joe's. I mean, that wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> hint, hint. But, um, I mean, you know, if you're somewhere where you can pick it up, I've heard it's awesome. I've heard that too. Yeah. All the more reason we need a Trader Joe's. Yeah. Whole Foods can only do so much. Universe, we need a Trader Joe's. <laughs> where is it at? <laughs> I yeah. had a coworker go down to Atlanta back in like February and her last day in the office. She was like, okay, I'm going to go to Trader Joe's while I'm in Atlanta. Send me any requests. Please tell me what you need. We do that in my office with Ikea. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Gwen Ikea, does anyone need anything? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we did that. I asked for cookie butter and I can't remember what else. Apparently Trader Joe's has really good wine. Oh, I've heard that also. You know, I bought wine at Aldi. I just bought their rosé this weekend. Yes. You know, Aldi and Trader Joe's are owned by the same people. That makes total sense. Yes. Yeah, it's just two different brand, like, mm-hmm. personas. But, um, yeah, they're owned by the same people. Their $3 wine, or whatever it is, that winking owl, mm-hmm. works for me. I mean, maybe my wine palette is not refined enough for some <laughs> people, but I can drink that $3 wine and be fine. <laughs> I'll have to try that. I saw stuff on Facebook last week about their supposedly award winning rose. Mm. That's like $8. Mm-hmm. I bought it. Was it good? I loved it. I've been on a rose cake. I'm usually more of a red, me too. like Cabernet Merlot red blend. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to try it. Yeah. I am so glad. As it starts to get hot, I just want something cold. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I've been into the rosé too. We drank a bunch of rosé last weekend. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, this is so unlike me, but I'm really into it. Mm-hmm. There's also a rosé at, rose at Whole Foods right now that's really good. Ooh. I can't remember what it's called. It has a really pretty label. Um the label's like very sort of turquoise blue. Oh, it's very good. I'll have to look for that. Yes. It was on sale. (laughs) Even better. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Well, this has been great. We are going to wrap up here. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining me. You're welcome. Wrapping up on Rose. Yes. (laughs) And on a high note. (laughs) Uh, So where can we find you on the internet and social media? So you can find me on Instagram at the underscore fashionable foodie. Um, My blog is www.thefashionablefoodieblog.com. And I mean, that's where I would recommend finding me. Awesome. (laughs) Find me in the Instagram stories. Cool. I love your story. (laughs) Oh, yes. And you are a master at it. (laughs) Oh, thank you. (laughs) All right. And I will link all those in the show notes for the episode. Awesome. Thank you so much again. Thank you for having me, Kate. Ah, of course. This has been episode nine of the Nuka Bell podcast. Thank you all so much for listening.